can't believe that you haven't seen it. Love it so much you really gotta stream it. Let me tell you every line right now. I can quote the whole thing since I was 12. Maybe your mom told you no. She said she wouldn't give you Welcome to Movies We Missed. I am your co-host, Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my lovely co-host, Jane Marlene Hammer. Um, and uh, we're here with you live and in color. How are you doing today, Janie? I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of living for this Marlene moment. I wonder how different my life would be if my middle name actually was Marlene. It wouldn't and be that different, probably. Well, but like, what if I chose to go by Marlene? I feel like Marlene leads a very different life than Jane might. I feel like if that was my true middle name, like my story would be different. I'm not sure in what way. I just, I, I just think, you know, a name like Marlene takes a certain je ne sais quoi that I don't know that I have, you know? I think you do. I mean, I didn't say Marlena. That would have been pushing it, but ooh, I feel like I would have been like uh like a a siren if that was my middle name. Marlene is like maybe like a math teacher, but Marlena is like, you know, her <laughs> sister who like sometimes doesn't wear a bra, but not for like feminist reasons. Right, for like lusty reasons. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, so how was your weekend? I mean, it's funny that you should ask because I spent nearly the entire weekend with you. And spoiler alert, I had a great time. Um, I yeah, it, I always wonder when we're when we're done, you know, hanging out, and pins and needles about if you enjoyed yourself or not. So you, you want the you truth think. of it? Yeah, I want the truth. Well, we spent a weekend with our friends um, at our friend Patrick's lake house. We do have friends, people. Other than each other. Um, mm -hmm. And it was super fun. It was Lobster Fest, which they have every year in this small town that he has his house in. And they fly in lobsters from Spain. From Spain. <laughs> from Maine is what All I right. meant. Yeah. She's caught up in that Marlene fantasy as it's going on. Apparently Marlene, she gets her fucking, or it, actually Marlena will get her lobsters from Spain. Marlene only eats lobsters from Spain. Absolutely. She asks uh, the chef at the restaurant like is this from spain then i don't want it are these from the basque country because that's all that my stomach can tolerate <laughs> i simply local need... yoko lobsters <laughs> Try again. i simply need it to be plucked out of the sea in país basco um before she like yeah. ceremoniously drowns them in butter stuffs <laughs> them down her gullet oh Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant she like murdered her lobsters. No, her. I just mean it's like the great equalizer. Like you're still going right. to look like an animal eating it. It doesn't matter where it came from. <laughs> we all did look like animals eating it, by the way. It's yeah, like... but it was, it was like candlelight. It was dimly lit. Oh, so you it was really beautiful. Make out the shame of, mm -hmm. of your neighbor, <laughs> your, your table companions. I also didn't look up because I was so focused on eating. Yeah, I was lobster. really in the zone. <laughs> we, we are people who live simple, simple lives. We don't get lobster often. We get it. Probably once a year, I'd say. Yeah. Well, we live in the Midwest. I So <laughs> guess what? I'm going to mention again. I grew up in Boston and there is lobster plenty there. But after moving to the Midwest, there's not so much um, a ton of lobster here or even very good lobster. 
Um, so this has become sort of a once a year phenomenon and it's very fun and very indulgent and we get to live like the rich elite, I feel like, but um, <clears throat> our friend Patrick, like he like sets a beautiful table outside, there's candlelight, there's like, he has lights all around his garden, beautiful silverware, and we're just like breaking these things apart with our little buttered hands, smashing lobsters into our mouths like some sick freaks. That that checks out. I mean, I think that I was probably, I I'd hoped to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, I feel like we're maybe a little bit swankier than that, but uh, <laughs> I think we like to think of ourselves as that. But of course, Jane, you know, she's going to present that version of events to everybody. Which version? Oh, like how disgusting we are? Yeah, exactly. Well, like, I'm trying I mean, to be there's real. No, there's, I don't think there's like a really like a cute way to like eat lobster though also. There isn't. Unless it's someone's already shelled it for you and then you can just eat it with a knife and fork. But we did not do that. Um and I like it that way. I'm not gonna lie. I enjoy it. Um, I'm sorry to all of our vegan friends, um, our vegan listeners who are horrified by our actions, but we are but human people. We are fallible. So anyways, one of the fun things about being away for the weekend was that I got to receive the DVD for this week, which was a fun new way because we have up to this point streamed everything but brandon's choice of movie was not available to stream or rent on the internet at any in any place that we were aware of so yeah and we also don't have a dvd player so we had to come home tara had to like take out um her i think it's like a ps4 it's a playstation or something hook it up to the television because she hasn't hooked it up like hooked up to her desk and like watch a dvd which was very fun it all felt very nostalgic i mean it, it really this time i mean my feet really put up against the fire with this movie once i remembered <laughs> that it existed and how often i'd watched it uh, way too young i can tell you from this i it, cannot believe you watched this movie as a child yeah i was like yeah i was like a child i was like 10 watching this movie i used to play it a lot on like hbo it's not i TV, bet guys. um <laughs> And so, yeah, when I was like, I was determined to find it and I had to source it through um, some of my connects that I have um, internationally. No, I just found it on eBay. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, this is so hard to find. Why is it this hard to find? But now that I realize that it was, you know, distributed by Savoy <laughs> Pictures, I kind of feel like, you know, Big Hollywood has tried to bury it maybe. What is um, Savoy Pictures? The company that produced the movie. Oh, and you feel like they're like, that's not a big studio and nobody owns it? No, I just feel like Hollywood, you know, the powers that be, the elite, have done what they do sometimes and try to sort of squelch out the flame that, that <laughs> is Exit to Eden. The, that burns so bright. And it the does. The 1994 magnum opus. Uh, you know, the star vehicle for one Miss Rosie O'Donnell. Um, I will say, never seen Rosie like this before. Ha, and well, you, is it, and you'd never heard of this movie, and probably have you? No, never. Also, it's, I was like floored to find out it was a Gary Marshall joint, which it's, like it's a GM joint, yeah. But then, like after watching it, I was like, oh, there's so many things that are very like Marshall esque. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the man that gave us beaches. Uh, he gave us Overboard. He also gave mm -hmm. us Pretty Woman, which tells mm -hmm. you that he's willing to 
tell tales that Mr. Hollywood may not be ready for, and he's probably hoping for similar results, um, as were probably most people involved, but uh, life life's funny with its twists and turns. Um, this movie was, um, this movie was released, well actually, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead, read the synopses, and then okay. um, you want to get into the gig? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Elliot is an emotionally stunted Australian-born photographer who has sexual interests that teeter towards BDSM. In an effort to explore and make sense of these yearnings, he decides to take a bondage-themed vacation to a private island called Eden, where they specialize in the fulfillment of such fantasies. Only one problem. Unbeknownst to Elliot, at the airport he mistakenly snaps a photo of a notorious jewel thief named Omar, who has evaded having his picture taken for decades in an attempt to maintain his anonymity. Omar and his associate Nina are on a quest to track down Elliot and destroy the one photo of Omar that could jeopardize his faceless existence. Once on the island, Elliot encounters Mistress Lisa a dominatrix who runs the fantasy-filled Eden Resort, and slowly but surely steals Elliot's heart. Also en route to the island, in pursuit of the jewel thief known as Omar, are undercover detectives Fred Lavery and Sheila Kingston. Sheila is posing as a resort guest in need of sexual healing, and Fred arrives disguised as the new custodial staff member. They are here to arrest Omar and school him on the finer arts of the law. But if they're not careful, they may learn a lesson or two themselves. The island has a way of doing that, you know. (laughs) So let's recap. Elliot is in search of answers to his sexual conundrums. Omar and Nina are in search of that photo that Elliot took. And undercover LA detectives Sheila and Fred are in search of Omar. Will everyone get what they want? Was this BDSM-themed rom-com thriller directed by Gary Marshall? And based on source material authored by Anne Rice? The answer to all these questions is a resounding yes. In my life, I've made a few detours, but none were as fun as this exit to Eden. That was beautiful. That was perfect. Thank you. (laughs) It was the most unhinged plot I've ever experienced. It it seems to have gotten away from itself um, at a couple of points there. The thing is, like, with this movie, it is so fucking clear that it's a book and they're trying to jam all of the information from the book into, like, a two-hour movie with stuff that they definitely could have let go for the movie's sake, but guess what? They're not doing it. It's an interesting movie, too, because it feels like a movie that is... Okay, first of all, the thing I remembered about this film was obviously Rosie O'Donnell and like Mm -hmm. a dominatrix and her dominatrix quiche. Like that's what I remembered about the film. Um, But like, I, like I forgot about the whole, like, you know, Dana Delaney, like Paul Mercurio, like storyline that is like, sort of like the heart of the film. I was gonna say, that's like the main thing. The thing that I remember, like in my mind, Rosie O'Donnell was the lead in this film. So when I watched (laughs) it this time, it's like, oh, she's like supporting, like supporting, like, but although I will say once Rosie comes into the film, it really is a Rosie joint from that point on. Yes. But like, I feel like the first, it's like top loaded where it's like this story about like, you know, our Paul Mercurio in the role of Elliot, which is, he's a really interesting too. He's this Australian actor who I think still acts in Australia. 
he at this point the only real thing of note that he'd done was the 1992 film Baz Luhrmann's uh, Strictly Ballroom and I think which that, to be fair was huge and I'm sure got him this role it, I think that yeah I think so too because Dave asked me he was like what like who is he and I was like yeah I don't he's not really um he hasn't done a lot of U.S. films since then um mm-hmm. I think that was sort of the big thing, that big star turn. He was the lead in that. So I think that that was sort of what catapulted, you know, this and sort of uh, helped secure this role for him. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, Dana Delaney done a lot of television um, up to this point and also like movies as well. Like she's definitely like an actress who you see and you recognize, although you may not always be able to put your finger on what you recognize her from. Beautiful redhead actress. Yes. Um, She's done a lot of stuff. I she was I remember she she was on Desperate Housewives. That's one of the things that I remembered about. Oh, I uh, never watched Desperate Dana Housewives. Dana Delaney. She had like a guest a guest arc on that. Was um, she like on NYPD Blue or something at one point, or I mean, like one totally... of those procedurals? Like oh, Law see. and Order. I know she's Law and on, Order. Um, she's been on she... Law and Order. Um, she's had a lot of television shows that like didn't quite hit the way that there was probably the hope. Um, initially when signing on that they would have uh a lot of one seasons um a lot of like voice stuff for batman uh cartoons and stuff she was in tombstone which was like that was a pretty big movie i, I feel What's like tombstone? russell val kilmer Sam uh, Elliott. Um, okay. it's another movie that came out like a year or two before this one she was becky and in... have you ever seen the house sitter um, House Sitter, Steve yes. Martin, Goldie Hawn. Yes, 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 She's yes, Steve yes. Martin's girlfriend in that movie that he like, right. proposes to at the beginning. And then she's like, no, uh, thanks, no thanks. Thank uh, you, but I'm good. Yeah, she had a television show that was her show called China Beach. Um, and that was on from like uh, in the late 80s. Um, hmm. That was on for like three or four seasons. So she's, yeah, she's a, a very well-known actress. The thing is, is I, like, definitely know her. I recognize her. I know her first and last name. But, like, it's hard for me to, like, picture what she's been in. You know what I mean? But I for think sure. she's that was been, the thing like, that... a staple. I also kind of, in my mind, I for some whatever reason, I conflate Dana Delaney and Sean Young. Um, oh, I could totally see that. Absolutely. Yeah. They sort of look similar. I think the only difference is, well, not that they're two different people, but also... <laughs> whole ass people with <laughs> two lives people. and hopes and dreams <laughs> but different. the identifier is like dana delaney is usually has reddish hair yeah her hair is a little yeah. bit redder and sean usually goes a little bit more auburn like a little, a little bit like darker. just like a classic brunette i would say i think it's a little bit more nuanced than that but go off <laughs> um why do i feel like you're being contrarian to be contrarian no That's i'm not in my weird. mind i was actually just thinking like it's like a i feel like there's a tinge of like a almost like a like a burnt like orange like a burnt like a deep red to sean young what's you know? her sean young that's her last name um i, I know like her hair's like classically brunette i'm literally like Google image searching her. Mama, right I'm, doing, I'm doing the same Google image search you are. I have a photo Okay, of her good. Up. But like, look at that. You would call the hair the... color that I said. <laughs> it's like. There's more to it. That's all I'm saying. It's a little bit more complex. Oh my God. It's... What we do is fight now. Oh my God. I know. It's like, when are we going to be able to get this train back on track? But I don't when th- you I think. When you just it's... breathe and you stop being your own worst enemy, I think that's really going to be what sort of unlocks it for us. 
<laughs> anyway, do you remember? Do you remember that story about Sean Young going? She really wanted the role of Catwoman in the Batman movie, and she like went into the director's office like dressed like Catwoman. No, and like he was like, uh, still no. <laughs> um, That's like very Je- Jenna Maroney, where it's like you take a big yeah. swing and you show up like in the costume. <laughs> Like nothing is worse than getting rejected in costume. Like, well, no, well, yeah, because it's like you spent money on this, on this you whole like process. prepared in a way that, like, like, and, and like, it's so, like, it's so hard to be an actor. I can imagine. I'm sure you know, but it's like, the if you if you do anything like above above and beyond and show up and then like get egg on your face, it's just it's that much more embarrassing. I'm sure. It's also like, who, what messy bitch told the story? Because it's like, I'm sure she didn't. <laughs> it's like, what friend <laughs> released what friend? Was, that story? Uh, you know, it's probably <laughs> Gina Davis. <laughs> She's like, girl, did y'all hear what Sean did? She's, this is out of control. Gina would never, how dare you? She was like, oh my God, all that energy just to, just for them to say no, the sequel. <laughs> like, let's hit, you with, let's hit you with it in person since my secretary's saying it to you nicely. Didn't quite get the point across. Michelle's been fitted, girl. She's she's in the full getup. The fantasy's already like happening. She got the it's part, like- okay? Well, I guess so, if she says so. <laughs> so you've got a dangerous mind if you think you're going to show up here and get up close and personal with us. Because what lies beneath is the truth. All right? Stop being so good at that. <laughs> Thank you. I just I it's like, no, Sh- Sean Young is uh Sean Young is a wonderful actress. She's no, she beautiful totally and is. glamorous and everything and I I I got you got to give props to somebody who like it goes Absolutely. for it. Shout out Melissa Leo. Um <laughs> sometimes it works out you know um i think the thing is is like those it's interesting it is actually an interesting story because you hear about those kinds of stories where people do things like that and it's a success and you're like wow that's amazing what a bold thing to do to really go after what you want but then you hear those stories again when it's not a success and the like reaction is like cringe which like isn't fair because like it could go either way for anybody and if you're gonna take a bold swing like more power to you you know what i mean like the more like the the larger the risk the larger the reward they always say so it's like i do i do like appreciate that and i'm not making fun of her it's just like funny that like that's like just a funny it's a funny situation and it also i think there's something really relatable about it as well because it's like yeah you want it go after it like that's Mm -hmm. how that works so it's like yeah like and i know i've shown up to an audition before that they were like no we're good and I was like, hold on, though. You haven't seen me do the monologue. I got my hands on it. I'm going to show you what you think, you know. I'm going to show you what you think you know, but you don't. And then they're like, oh, it's exactly what we thought it was. Bye. <laughs> oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, I don't even want it anymore. Yeah, no, uh, I got... Look, the irons that I've got in my fire are plentiful. And I don't need this. I just wanted to help out a friend. Delusion. <laughs> Uh, yeah, very that. Um, so Jane, you got to watch this movie. As I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I wonder what Jane's like, I just wonder what Jane's gonna think of this movie. Like, she has no idea what this is. So I was just like... Zero. 
Were well, that was the thing like... too. Uh, the que- <laughs> like the questions I had like right off the bat. So like the movie. So I didn't Google anything. I just was handed a DVD with zero like cover, and it's just a black DVD holder like cover. <laughs> Literally, that was the version of the DVD. The DVD that I found that was the cheapest was like they had some with cases to them, and they were like these people were like, no, we'll give you that DVD. <laughs> but we'll give you nothing else. It is in a black, like discreet DVD case. Which is like, who cares? You know, who's who's, oh, who's yeah, who needs flexing that on a CD case? You know what I mean? Exactly. So you saved your money. But I think the thing that I was like, I just had no idea what this movie was about. So I was like, every every scene, I was like, what? <laughs> like the first scene, we we open in Melbourne, Australia, with a quote-unquote French maid in a house with a little boy her tits are out and I and then he yeah, like a little pouring out of her uniform. pouring and I was like what I was like is this pornography like I like am I but because it was like a clearly fake fake French accent I didn't understand why we were in Australia with a French maid it made no sense and you find out that this is Elliot and he is like 10 years old and he's getting like, he like tries to put his fingers in the cookie dough and the bowl falls on the floor and the maid is very mad. So she starts spanking him and then they pan to his face and you can see him like starting to like it. And you're like, what am I watching? I had no idea what this movie is about. And then he is across from... Hector Elizondo. Oh my God. One of the things I loved about the credits was that um, it started naming every, everybody. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, Iman is in this, which is very exciting. Um, but then also it said, as usual, Hector Elizondo, which I thought was really cute because he and Gary Marshall worked together a bunch. And it was just cute to like, you know, a little nod to his friend. I was like, that's sweet. Um, but then he's like talking about, I thought he was a shrink at first. Is Hector Alexander's It seemed shrink? like he was like a shrink or like one of those people who sort of like is giving themselves the credentials to like peer into people's minds, kind of like RuPaul does. <laughs> like make a lot of assumptions about people without like the degree, but it seemed like he had a degree and basically, um, at least according to this movie and he's like applying or just like doing a video interview for this like <laughs> this sex island that that we're calling Eden but like you don't really find that out from the beginning what you do find out is you're like in this weird airport scene where Iman is problematically dressed as like either like a Pakistani man or an Indian man and like famous famous model um wife of David Bowie like that yeah. Iman like supermodel yeah. world Iman it, if you were confused it is literally the supermodel Iman yes <laughs> like waiting in line in customs as like wearing like a fake mustache like a turban they draw like a red dot on her forehead and she's cosplaying as what I would assume someone from that region based based on the offensive accent she's doing and <laughs> the outfit. But what is Iman's like, ethnic origin? She's Somalian, I'm pretty sure. Somalian, okay, okay. Um, 
So, I mean, I just think the general rule is don't pretend to be a race that you're not. And Well, that's why I was, no, that's why I was yeah. actually asking you. That was the reason why is because I was, I wasn't sure what her ethnicity was. So when you said that, I was like, oh, I wonder if, no, those are two different races. Yeah. Completely different ethnicities, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Um, so that was just, I was like, what am I watching here? And then she like goes into the bathroom changes her outfit which she does this thing and we've talked about this before in movies the thing that i can't fucking stand when someone all of a sudden does like a quick change and looks entirely different and the look itself would take like at least an hour to put on (laughs) like oh yeah she comes out like in the full iman fantasy like like as a flight attendant like absolutely fucking snatched as a flight attendant and then she like kills the other flight attendant in the or like strangles the other flight yeah like a light strangle attendant. because she's fine a couple scenes later but I know. and that flight attendant is that's Gary Marshall's daughter <gasps> no way I didn't know that yeah okay, he like puts that's... her in all of his movies apparently um, oh, also cute. the second time I watched this movie so Iman strangles her with like pearls that she's wearing and then mm-hmm. she sort of like pushes okay so the flight attendant gets strangled because she recognizes Iman but then she sort of like pushes her into like she pushes her into like the bathroom and like closes in the, the stall, stall. and yeah. then like there's a uh, the woman who comes in like bopping along with like her headphones and she's like mopping under the stalls and she sort of opens the doors as she's mopping and she gets <gasps> to the stall and the, a moment before she gets to the stall you see the camera go into like the stall that the woman's in and she's sort of coming too but she's like fully clothed and like just sort of like disoriented and trying to figure out what's going on and then like the flight attendant i mean and then the janitor or custodial staff member opens the the door to that stall and like screams and i just was thinking like why are you screaming like from your vantage point all you're seeing is like a flight attendant who maybe like had a bender or something like you wouldn't be able to put together she's alive and well her stomach you know also yeah or like throwing up or something but like there's no reason to open up there was there'd be no reason to open up that stall unless there was like a dead body in there like for you she's clearly coming to out of some sort of like haze or stupor or whatever, but it would more like, I would more be like, oh, are you okay? More than like, ah! <laughs> she like literally puts her like back against the door and screams like she's literally seen like a person who has been gored. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's, this looks this looks like a woman who like has morning sickness or like a rough hangover. Yeah, it's like so ma'am, are you it. all right? Do you need help? Like, <laughs> just do your job. Like, there's no reason for you to be this like undone <laughs> as also, a result of like this woman a little little tidbit about the the woman who plays the custodian <laughs> I was is she here. a hammer <laughs> no oh, but okay. tara saw her and she goes oh, is that penny marshall <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i am married to the shadiest bitch and she's like no no, no. i really thought it was penny marshall oh that would have been like, amazing what a great little cute amazing. little cameo I know. Gary giving her a call, like just come in for the day. It would be a cute little I day. I feel we'll... like they have done cameos on each other. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like he directed of... episodes of Laverne and Shirley. No, they're mm-hmm. fully. They were fully the brother and sister duo Together. that you that you wanted, and like that's a fun thought. And then him being like, "I got dinner tonight at Twenty One Club." Like, just like <laughs> come through, really come through, Penny. It'll be fun. We'll stay at the penthouse. We'll shoot shit. I'm gonna get Mel Brooks on the phone. We'll see if oh. we can all get together. Amazing. What I give to be a fly on the wall. Um, 
so then we ha we have that and like then we see like Elliot in bag like the baggage claim with Iman and like he is very she like clearly leaves her bag there so they can go through the carousel to like someone waiting on the other side or whatever she's clearly committing a fucking crime and Elliot is all up in her face about it and like takes her picture without her consent which I'm like he's he's running around this movie taking photographs of people who don't want to be photographed and yeah, maybe he that likes, was okay in the 90s but like certainly not yeah he snaps this photo of her and then also like he snaps this photo of the guy like behind the baggage claim area and it's just like yeah, it's really weird, and yeah. So he, we, we find out that that's Omar, and like he is, they're they're doing this like a diamond heist thing, which I really, when I first saw, so they like they show you a shot of like a bag, it's like a small, you know, you know the small bags that you get drugs in, and yeah. they're the small plastic Ziploc bags, and it's like full of diamonds, and he picks it up. I thought it was like really funny detail that it was like in underneath the diaphragm, yeah, and. Um, <laughs> I thought it was meth at first, but then they later, like, confirmed that it's diamonds. But I was like, okay, meth, okay, I guess we're, like, I just, like, couldn't figure out what was going on because I was like, is this, like, is this a crime movie? Like, is this a sex movie? Like, what am I witnessing? Like, what is coming together? It was all, like, so many things happening at once that I, like, couldn't put my finger on what I was watching. My suspicion is that this movie, being based on an Anne Rice novel, I have a feeling that this movie is, that the novel probably, having not read it, absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, although I am curious to read it now, I have a feeling that this novel probably centered around, like, crime and sex and then they decided at some point like they were like let we need to add in like a comedic element to give it like instead of letting it be this sort of like almost art house you know film about like when you think about like interview with the vampire it has it has these very serious and like sexual elements to it and it feels like totally. they didn't trust that that would be enough and so they decided mm -hmm. like let's make you know <laughs> let's really let's make like add in gary marshall and rosie o'donnell and, like, yeah and dan Aykroyd. dan Aykroyd and yeah. like pump it up and, and add in is, like hijinks like, right and like the thing is like this is what i was confused about because like i have a i've never read anything by Anne rice but i have like a peripheral understanding of like who she is as a writer i know she's like does a lot of vampire stuff she does a lot of crime stuff and she does a lot of new orleans stuff and this is everything except for the vampires i guess but i was like is this gonna get like vampire-y but you know not always but i know that she does a lot of crime in new orleans stuff and but the thing is is like this whole movie just felt like i was like it doesn't know what it is because it's too many things at once it's either like an interesting crime story or a romantic comedy or a movie about like exploring your sexual freedom and finding yourself. But, but it's the... those three movies in one. But I think it could have very easily been like a movie about like a new sort of like take on like romance. And I guess I see some of the mm -hmm. parallels between this movie and like A Pretty Woman, which was such a huge success for Gary Marshall and a probably a mm -hmm. part of why they went to him and a part of why he took it on. Um, yeah. Because you've got sort of you know, this female leading lady who lives this lifestyle that's sort of, you know, it's not something that ev that everyone is sort of like 
uh, able to relate to. She is, you know, mm-hmm. in charge of, like, this resort that has, like, some BDSM uh, leanings within it, um, this sort of idea of sexual exploration. They do this, like, light sort of, like, like <laughs> delve into who she is and why she is the way she is, which I felt like, huh, I feel like there's... The, yeah, you could have focused more on that aspect of the movie, like what that was all about and what that means and how she found herself in this point. Like it was, it was like smattered in these flashbacks to explain how she became a dominatrix. So true because like when they do, so mistress Lisa is um, Dana Delaney's character too. And like, she's the mistress of this, um, of this resort Eden. And she's the one who Elliot ultimately ends up falling in love with. And she has this backstory and they keep doing these flashbacks to her life, but like they don't make it clear that they are flashbacks at first. So it's like super confusing. Like when they did the one about her, like, and her mom, like her being upset about her mom dying. Oh my God. That one was so fucking funny. It was like <laughs> the, it was like this flashback to her like talking to her dad in front of like her father's home like in the past. <laughs> at, I'm assuming it's like the day after her mother's funeral or something. And yeah. there's like a cab waiting on her and she's sort of trying to have like a meaningful moment of goodbye with her father. It's also her unclear dad, where she's going or like what It, she's it is doing. unclear where she's going. It is clear that her father's ready for her to go though. Um, <laughs> the it, time has come, sweetie. <laughs> she tries to like she tries to lean in for a hug and he puts both of his arms up to keep her literally at arm's length mm-hmm. um and like he's not here for a hug from her he's like let's just like do a quick dap a quick pound and just like <laughs> like bros uh she's like oh my god like mom like it's so sad that mom's dead and he's like you know it was her time and she's like yeah but i mean she was 52 and he's like and your point um like <laughs> and it's time for you to leave i, I it's I'm her time to go and it's your time to go in a different way that and then he also says she's like well like you know i'm really gonna miss you and he's like your cab's waiting for you <laughs> it's like i have nothing to give you and since your mom's gone i don't have to pretend to like you anymore essentially like get in the it's cab for us to go cut away ties but it's like, what's this relationship? And then she says to him, as he's walking he's walking up the stairs of the house, and she says, like, bye, Dad, I'm going to miss you. And he doesn't turn around, but he lifts his hand up, if you can imagine. So, not, so like, the, the top of his hand is facing her. As he's walking up the stairs, his back is turned to her, the top of his hand is facing her, and he sort of, like, gently gives her, like, a little spirit fingers goodbye with one hand <laughs> as he's walking up the stairs. It's like, I don't have... I don't have the energy to turn around and give you a fake smile. <laughs> like the game's coming on. It's you know, and like, I do not have any way to record it at this point in 1994. So there is know. a movie of the week starring Craig T. Nelson <laughs> that I recorded on the VCR, and I couldn't watch it yesterday because of all your blathering and crying after your mother's funeral. <laughs> so that's what I'm getting into, and I've got a lean cuisine on deck as well. So, so shall that's I get m- up? that's what my Sunday looks like. How about you? <laughs> Like your Sunday can be it. whatever you want, sweetie. So go ahead, buy an island, and smack yeah. man across the ass. Yeah, it can be whatever you want as long as it's not here. Um, <laughs> so that's like her first... Also, there's this moment when Rosie gets to the island, and then there's like, there's like a couple points where it's like... I don't know. Like, that character is just like... And Rosie's character? Like, I love, I love Rosie. And like, there, there's like a couple moments where it's like, all right, like, it's just easy, a little easy. Like, oh when she's, God. she gets there, first of all, okay, so 
So when the detectives decide, after they very quickly sort of figure out that, like, like Dan Aykroyd's detective, he's playing Fred, he says, like, oh, like, their whole thing is we're looking for Omar, the jewel thief. That's their whole thing. And so they're, like, after this, like, stripper scene earlier in the film. We have to talk about this stripper scene. But there's a, yeah okay say what you need to say but then let's go back to the okay. stripper scene so there's a stripper scene earlier in the movie <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, but okay. but before okay but like so after the stripper scene they almost capture Nina and Omar Aman is Nina she works with her associate Omar so they almost capture the two of them but they get away but but um then then they go to their um the head detective and they're like you know we almost got him we think you know we think for some reason we think that um. They're after this Elliot guy. Elliot, they realize, they realize that Omar and Nina are after this Elliot guy, the photographer. Um, and they're like, and Dan Eckward says, yeah, I, I, I think that, um, hold on, I wrote it down. But he says something along the lines of, they, about, okay, yeah, he says like, let's assume that Mia, let's assume that, um, Let's assume that Nina told Omar that this photographer took the only known photo of Omar in the entire world. That's what Dan Aykroyd says to the detective. He says, let's assume that, that Nina told Omar that this photographer took the only photo of, known photo of Omar in the entire world. And it's just like, what, like, what a thing to assume. <laughs> what, a, what a thing to hang this whole, like, mission's hat on. <laughs> like, and and spend thousands of, that, of dollars. Spend thousands of dollars of all of them. Like, the, I know that, like, the point is, like, we need to get everybody to this sex island. For sure. Even. For sure. And so they're just trying to get, like, they're using whatever arsenals they have in their writing pocket to get everybody over to the island. But it's like, there's a lot of swings taken where it's like okay I guess this person would be here everyone's trying to get Elliot but let's assume that Elliot has the only fucking photograph of this person in the entire world that is so insane to me it's a lot and it all that you wouldn't and it also could have been solved by them adding in like a quick little ancillary character that they like they, they grab a hold of at, like, a known haunt that Omar hangs out at and bringing them into an interrogation room. And, like, you know, you could have gotten, like, you know, I, you know I, I'm sure, um, what's his name? Uh, Machio probably could have used the money. Throw him in there and then have him just be like, yeah, yeah, no, Omar and Nina, they're after this guy Elliot. He got a picture, he got a picture of Omar at the airport. They're gonna, you know, like, anything to, like, at least help tie this together as opposed to just, like, Aykroyd, you know, detective of the world figuring also, out sorry go ahead no i'm i'm just rambling about the same thing what are you gonna say <laughs> i felt throughout this entire film that dan Aykroyd's character was so fucking unnecessary for this whole thing he barely helps move the platform plot forward in any way like he's just there like first of all when rosie and dan get to the island rosie um is undercover as a guest of this resort and Dan Aykroyd is undercover as um, a maintenance man for the resort and they are so obvious about their affiliation they just talk in the halls they talk on the beach they talk in you know in front of everybody during the activities it's like they literally have never been like less 
what's the word? They're just so <laughs> fucking obvious. And <laughs> can we talk about the stripper scene though? Yeah, yeah. So towards the beginning of the movie, the first scene where we actually meet uh, Fred and Sheila, played by Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell, is like they're on like this undercover bust at the beginning of the movie to try and get those jewels that were smuggled in by Nina and given to Omar early in the movie. Nina and Omar show up to give these jewels, like to get these jewels handed off to someone and they are there. Dan Aykroyd's posing is like this, it's a strip club. Dan Aykroyd's posing is like the strip club DJ. And like Rosie O'Donnell is posing as like a stripper. And it's, it's the most unhinged thing because like literally you can see, I understand that the character's heart is probably not going to be in playing this stripper like to the nth degree but like (laughs) rosie is wearing an insane wig it's like it's almost like it's a little bit too brunette but she sort of it's like sort of the shape of like garth from wayne wayne's world (laughs) hair she's wearing that wig this like red number i don't even know it's like a corset and underwear and a and a red feather boa and she is lumbering on stage (laughs) she looks good though Rosie she looks, looks great. Good. Don't get me wrong, but she is not moving with the same. She's not the moving with the song <laughs> at all. And did you peep? Did you peep the thirty-second scene of Rosie like <laughs> on stage in this weird squat position? Yes! She's got like this boa around her that she's just sort of like going back and forth between like swinging like between her crotch and then like in like in the air in like this weird like. It's like this weird, like, staying alive moment of just like, (laughs) pat, 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 pat. And it's so long. And it's the same move. Her eyes are glazed over. She could, she couldn't look less into it. And And there's that topless stripper behind her also. (laughs) Yeah, she's giving it nothing. Like, if you were worried about undercover cops, you'd be like, oh, well, that's one. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, like, she squats down in front of the guy that they actually end up arresting and looks at him. I, I can't even describe her eyes her are glazed over. She looks so bored and she just squats in front of him. It basically looks like she, her face looks like she's like on some sort of antipsychotic medication and she looks like so out of it. She can't move. She's about to start drooling and she like moves her feather boa back and forth while maintaining eye contact with him. And the guy just like they pan over to the guy who's looking at her and he just shakes his head at her in disgust. It's like, <laughs> Like, Rosie was more convincing as a heterosexual talk show host in love with Tom Cruise than she is in this scene. Like, she's painting by numbers. Like She's, <laughs> she's painting by numbers, and let me tell you, she's getting some of those numbers wrong. <laughs> yeah, some of those equations aren't quite adding up. Yeah. Um, it's a crazy scene, and I don't know why this was the wig that they picked. Unless It was like they wanted us to, to remember that, like, it almost felt like they were, like, they were, like, wanting to remind us that, like, we're not trying to make Rosie, like, a traditionally, like, sexy woman. But it's <laughs> funny because Rosie O'Donnell actually is, like, a quite attractive woman. And she it would have been, like, gorgeous. very like, easy to, like, just let her be beautiful. But right. instead, they were like, no, that's not what she's here for. She's, yeah. like, she's here solely as comic relief to be laughed at. She and it's actually, just like, and that's the thing throughout this movie she makes so many jokes at her own expense at her own appearance and other people do too at other points like i think dan Aykroyd. um, yeah dan Aykroyd makes quite a few that are just like let me get you a mirror baby boy yeah it's like why 
are you the pot calling the kettle black at this moment in time? Like, what are you what, bringing oh, to the table? When she, she, when she's trying, there's a scene later on in the movie, right when they're getting ready to like go to the island after they've convinced their department to to fund this trip based on like the the we like I turned in weaker hypotheses to like my AP <laughs> physics professor, um, like of like, hey, I know we're trying to track down this jewel thief, but. Maybe this jewel thief is headed to this BDSM-themed island to track down a guy who took the only known photo of him. Like, and it's just like, huh, okay. Uh, but Rosie's trying on these wigs in the in the office, and one of them is like this short blonde wig, and like she turns to Dan Aykroyd and she says, Debbie Gibson? And he goes, in a less than perfect world. And I was like, fuck you, motherfucker. Did you hear the one she did afterwards? The Florence Henderson one? Mrs. Brady? Yes! She goes, she puts on one that sort of looks like Mrs. Brady, and she goes, Florence Henderson, and he, she goes, Florence Henderson, and he goes, Mrs. Brady on a binge. And I'm like, what the fuck, Ackroyd? Excuse me? It's not like he's in the gym working out every day. And also, she looks great! Yeah, she's she looks the one great. putting on her fucking stripper outfit and shaking her ass with as much enthusiasm as you would imagine Rosie O'Donnell would shake her fucking ass. But like, that's the thing. Like, it's so frustrating. What this is such a huge part of like '90s comedy. Like, a, it was totally okay to make fun of people and their body size, and b, it was totally fine for for men who look like absolute fucking you know. Uh, um, amorphous blobs to like comment on women's bodies and don't get me wrong I don't think Dan Aykroyd is like an unattractive person I I don't think of Dan Aykroyd as being a person in any well I think of him as being a person but it's like you know uh, you never nobody's ever talking about wanting to fuck Dan Aykroyd or not I remember you talking about wanting to fuck him and you tried to didn't you At, um, Which is, I at was a steakhouse, this... at a local Chicago steakhouse, and he turned you down, if I remember the way it went. Correctly. Well, I was hoping that my assessment of this wouldn't come off as bitter based on our um, our torrid history, but here we are, and I've been called You out, are, so. you're peak Marlene right now. Um, so, so that all happens, and then, like, Elliot heads for this island on the recommendation of his quote-unquote therapist who actually owns the island, we find out later in the movie. Yeah, um, which seems like a conflict of interest. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the way to do business, baby. Like, <laughs> let me send all of my all of my clients who have some sort of like sexual issues that they're trying to work through to this island that I also pay for, that I also <laughs> own. It's like, hey, I got a great deal for you at this island <laughs> um, that I own. It's gonna be ten k on top of what you've been paying me for these janky ass therapy sessions. Um, but it'll be fun. Um, which I've been recording. Also, well, right? Or maybe that's. Maybe he only records the interview for the whatever. It's so fucking. Well, okay. you know what? Maybe that's what it was, Jane. Maybe his maybe his whole thing is like maybe Elliot came to him because he wanted to go to this island, and maybe you have to yeah. do like a Q and A. It's a vetting process, maybe, to get to go to the island. And I also, guess so, because and probably just Lisa is watching his tape. She's right watching there. the tapes, which tells me that she probably has tapes on everyone. And no. also, it's probably like. Because the island is divided between guests and citizens. Um, the guests are the people who get to come on the island and 
they seem to be treated like guests and they have really lovely rooms and everything. And then the citizens are people who also are paying to be on the island, just like the guests, but they're paying for a different experience. It seems to be more like uh, the experience of like dominant versus submissive. I, that yeah. seems to be a big part of the citizen role is you putting mm-hmm. yourself in the position of submissive, whether that be because that's what you desired or because Elizondo felt like that was, you know, the area that you <laughs> seem to need to explore. Or because he was like, we got a lot of guests and we need some citizens. So let me let me spin this to this person and tell them that's what they want. Um, but they arrive on this island and it's full on like white, like Amistad fantasy. Um, oh my God. I wrote about this. Too. Wait, okay. There's one thing I want to say about on the ship where like they're about to arrive to the island and there's that person making the monologue about like he walks into like the common room or I guess they are, all of them are. And he's like, he instructs everyone to start taking off their clothes. And I was like, this is not how this would work. Like, everyone is on this ship in the same room just taking off their clothing yeah. and getting ready to arrive on this island. And, like, also, the thing is, too, everyone going to this island is hot, which would never be the case in real life. It's all of these, yeah, it's all of these, like, attractive white people in this room and then one yes. guy who thought he was going on a golf cruise who's just confused. <laughs> and, like, that was kind of funny. But, like, everybody's taking off their clothes and they also are all getting, like, um, wait, no, they don't get their screening just yet, but they get a full like health screening before they get to go on the island as well. Blood tests, mm-hmm. um, like you know, hernia STI examinations, test. STI yeah. tests, all that because they're like, you're gonna be getting fucked on this island. Please believe it. So and you're not getting you're if if you start with a hernia, that's not gonna fall on us. You know what I mean? Exactly. You you got so that hernia, that's sure. on you. And if you pull anything, you know. Take care of it on your own time, baby. Um, so, yeah. So they all have to, like, strip naked. And then, like, all the men are giving these, like, gold thongs to put on. That they all look good in. Um, they all look like like out-of-work models or whatever. Yeah. Everybody and... looks great. And they, like, and they put them in these canoes. And they have to, like, canoe to the island. So the women are in, like, sort of, like gold sarongs. And like, and, like, bikinis and shit. And the men are all in, like, just basically tiny-ass thongs. And, like, they're all chained together. And they get to the island. It's this shot of them all, like, running on the beach. Like... Oh, my God. Chained together. Chained together. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, hopefully Gary Marshall had the foresight not to put any black people on this. It looks like it looks like they they figured that one out pretty quick. Probably. No, there was at the very end there was a black guy at the. Oh, end, I didn't see. I was, oh, I didn't see him. And I was like, oh no. Also. Uh, also, sorry, chaining people together and putting them on a canoe. If somebody were to like fall out, yeah, that would be, it's so dangerous. That would be catastrophic. <laughs> like, I mean, the deaths would be unbelievable. Because they're like they're pretty. They're the chains are pretty short. Like, so mm-hmm. it's like if somebody were to topple in the middle, oh, it's a massacre. That- that's what you call a chain reaction, baby. And Ooh, I told you guys she was funny sometimes. Um, but yeah, so they get to the island and then like they do that sexy show. They all have to go up on stage. Also, I do want to point out the fact that Paul Mercurio has like a perfect ass. I just thought okay, that, that should be noted. I... Okay, I have a lot. There's so much. There's so much focus on this man's ass in this movie, and I was like, "Oh, I know why Brandon likes this movie." Although I swear, I swear to you, Jane, like I swear, I didn't remember 
But sure I was like, oh, that's. I'm sure but you I was didn't like, remember, that's a but really... your mind's eye remembered and was like, oh my god, like ten year old Brandon. No, but that booty, <laughs> that booty was on point, and like it w- they it's, just, it's that is the definition of a bubble butt. He's but then, got... but also like cake. when you realize that the last film he did before this was Strictly Ballroom, then you're like, okay, so this guy is like a he's dancer. He's a dancer, yeah. And he's although I will say a lot of dancers aren't don't have like a a butt like that though. He has like a mm-hmm. booty and thighs. Like yeah. he's like he's stacked he's stacked well. Good for him. Yeah. Um, he's got the cake and Mistress Lisa <laughs> she likey. <laughs> she likey. Also Dave just made mention of that scene. Have you ever seen Heat before, Jane? Mm, oh, with um, with Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro and, Al Pacino. and Al Pacino. No, I've never seen it before. There's a scene when Al Pacino is interrogating a character played by Hank Azaria, and he just goes, "Yeah, you after that woman, huh? They're on teasing you with that fat ass." <laughs> and like, then there's a shot of like Hank Azaria's face, and he looks startled. And then I read like in an interview, he was like, "That whole thing was just improv. Like he just yelled that at me, and that and my look of shock was genuine. Like." We're not raining Pacino in, I see. And it's like, <laughs> as no director has since Coco. As ever. But the thing is, before like before we go anywhere, we need to talk about how great your Pacino was. That, Thank that was you. Like, I was not expecting that. That was really, really good. The thing is, if you can get your flowers while you're alive, um, <laughs> it's a beautiful and it's a transformative experience. Um, because yes. you told me it was great, I will never be able to do it again. I did an incredible Seinfeld one time. And Dave looked at me after I did it and was like, that was like perfect. And I've never been able to oh do it God. since. It's the anticipation. Ugh. It's the eagerness of it all. And now oh all God. I have left is like, what's the deal with door knockers? Use your hand. <laughs> and that's what we're left with. So unfortunate. Um, I remember I did like a really good Drew Barrymore once, and I've never been able to do it since. And what's by a the good way, Drew Barrymore? It was just like, first of all, how dare you? You know no, I just mean like she's not a person with like a distinctive voice. I know she, she has... absolutely is. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how dare you? I don't. She, I don't want to take this battle on. So yeah. No, she is though. Like Google okay. afterwards because she's got like I don't know if you've ever seen like. Chloe Fineman do her voice on SNL. She's really good. But, like, I remember I did it once in high school. It was so long ago I was in high school. And I remember people were like, oh, my God, that's so good. And then they were like, do it again to, like, another group of people. And I, like, literally <laughs> watched myself crash and burn. <laughs> so you aren't Jay Farrow is what you're telling me. No, I am the furthest thing from Jay Farrow that could exist. More I'm like Jay really... No-No. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't Jay know. Fair, hell no. Oh, know. that was way better. I like that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and then also there's a scene towards the beginning of the movie where, like, it's like they go to this, once they realize that they're going to have to go to this, like, sex-themed isle, this island, and, like, you know, like, you've got, like, fucking, like, Dan Aykroyd, who's completely sexually repressed American man, <laughs> and, like, they're supposed to go to this island, and then they have to go to this, like, sex shop to get stuff, to get gear to wear, and like Dan oh Aykroyd, that's ridiculous. And then they like had they make the decision like, oh, like you should be the guest at the hotel, and I should be like the the hotel worker or whatever. I guess they were gonna do it the other way around. But it's like, in what world would Rosie have not been the guest at the hotel? And like Dan Aykroyd was the better choice, like <laughs> of the two know. of them, like the stick in the mud. I know. Um, 
I absolutely made note of that too. It was like this is they just wanted to get Dan Aykroyd in like a BDSM outfit. That's yeah, it's like a full like leather like leather outfit. It's it's just yeah, it's like heads covered completely. Yeah, it was just for a little guy. It was like a zipper for his mouth and shit. But also, tell me, I'm wrong. You felt a vibe between Rosie and the woman who worked at the store. Did you not? I did not. Oh my god, I was like, those two are like practically having sex with each other right now. Oh, maybe Rosie chops her down <laughs> like Johnny Appleseed with that cherry tree, huh? <laughs> I don't know what that means. But there was definitely a vibe in that store, and I was like, oh, Rosie, <laughs> you homosexual. Anyways. <laughs> what? Are, are oh, you... yeah, I got it completely wrong. I, I confused Johnny Appleseed and George Washington. And it was an apple was, tree, like, right? Really and it was an confused. apple tree, right? Well, Johnny Appleseed was an ap- apple tree, but George Washington used to, like, climb cherry trees, I think. But didn't George Washington something? chop down a cherry tree or an apple tree? I don't know anything about George Do cherries Washington grow on trees? Apple trees. Cherries grow in bushes and trees, yeah. Because in he, like, grew up in Virginia, like, playing and you know, playing on apple trees. That's like, or at least that's what I learned in my history class, which could be very wrong because the American education system is very bad. Are you looking up cherry trees right now? It is. Okay, he received, uh, yep, I was right. Okay, damn it, I just got the name wrong. I was right. Shit. And there goes, that's, this is why comedy doesn't work. If you mess it all up and mangle it. No, it was a cherry tree and it's a myth and it was George Washington and I think he like, yeah, yeah, he like chopped down when like he chopped down his father's cherry tree on accident with like a hatchet or something. Anyway, my jokes, my joke did stand. I got I got the person wrong, but And this is the best way to do this, for sure. <laughs> Cuz a joke is so fun. It's so it's so much funnier when you have to prove it worked. <laughs> what about you, Jen? You're a joke and you don't work. <laughs> I'm so done with you. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, you should see the fucking face Brandon is giving me. He is furious with me, and it feels Ugh. good. <laughs> anyway, also at the beginning when they arrest the guy, they arrest one guy at the strip club, and then uh, Dan Aykroyd just goes Miranda, Miranda, Miranda. <laughs> I wrote that like, too. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess we're getting can't be bothered, well, huh? <laughs> The police has never been an airtight organization, but this seems like it might come up in court. <laughs> well, it just, it'd be better just to say nothing. Because it's yeah, like you exactly. acknowledging that you're not doing what you're supposed to do. But I guess it's that, that guy's word against yours. Oh, sorry. I I'm, Did you notice that, like, as soon as, like, so when she's, like, making eyes at that guy at the strip club... Um, and she pulls, Rosie pulls out her gun and she's like, LAPD or whatever. Do you notice in the background, she keeps saying, you get with the program, you get with the program over and over and over. And I'm like, A, what does that mean? Get with the program when you're arresting people? <laughs> like, why are you saying that so many times? And what does that mean for the people who are just like, isn't it usually like stop, freeze, get on the ground? But instead, I guess it's like get. I guess that's the program, like get with what's happening here. But it is, it's a loosey goosey choice. It smells to me of a director saying, "We're just gonna improv a little bit." (laughs) 
Also, the voiceover. The voiceover throughout this whole movie is so ridiculous. I don't think it was really necessary. It was so unnecessary. Like, the one time where, like, Omar calls that guy in New Orleans and he's, like, trying to set up... He wants the guy to, like, um, surveil um, Elliot and Mistress Lisa because they end up taking off and going to New Orleans together. And Omar's like, I'm going to go to New Orleans to kill them. Or to kill Elliot, at least. And... He's on the phone with him, and then Rosie does a voiceover, and she's like, Omar arranged for this guy named Latte to surveil the couple until he got there. And it's like, we didn't need the voiceover. We could have just listened to the phone conversation, which we were already beginning to, and heard what the plan was. But instead, like, she had to come in and do a voiceover for it. It was so weird. Also, the thing is that, like, Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd are supporting characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. And they don't show up until about 15 to 20 minutes into it. Mm-hmm. So the first voiceover doesn't happen until the end of the first scene that features Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd. So we're talking mm-hmm. about 25 to 30 minutes into the movie. For the first time, we hear, Hi, I'm Sheila, <laughs> you know, I'm Sheila Kingston, L.A. detective, you know, and sometime beauty model. Ha <laughs> ha. And it's like, what? This is new. We should have established this way earlier because like if you're going to establish that the there movie. is a narrator in a film, you need to figure out a way to introduce them earlier, which you could have done. I mean, this scene could have opened the film, um, honestly. 100%. There was no... Actually, if the scene did open the film, I would have been less confused about their connection with each other, I think. Yeah, I agree. It was, like, weirdly timed, and it doesn't really, like, set us up to, like, understand that, like, Rosie is going to be, like, our sort of guide and narrator, but also we don't really need Rosie to do that because this isn't a complicated story, and there's not a lot happening that we're not seeing happen, so we don't really need her to guide us. I think it's an overcomplicated story. I think they add too many details that we absolutely don't need. Like, there were so many things that, like, got brought up that didn't, like, pay off in the end in any way. Like, Iman, she she plays Nina Blackwood. She does, like, this whole sneezing thing, right? And why? so, why? It's like, that's supposed to be the thing that makes her, like, recognizable or something like that as a criminal. And I was like, oh, well, clearly this is going to get her caught later because she can't stop sneezing. And, like... That didn't happen. Like the sneeze went away. <laughs> like yeah, we yeah, never it just figured stopped. It, out. it was almost <laughs> like he started it. Like Gary introduced it, and then he was like, "Oh fuck the sneeze." Like he's like, <laughs> if there's a moment where like Nina Blackwood, who shows up on the island posing as a guest, decides that she wants Citizen Elliot because Elliot is a citizen, which are the submissives that sort of take on the role of like sex slaves, kind of for the people that are there. Even though he's like a paying guest, he's basically paying to be a submissive. Mm-hmm. So like he can be requested by guests like to service them in some way, like whether that be like draw a bath or give them a massage or something more sexual if he consents to it. But like. Nina requests him, and she's got a mask on, and he doesn't recognize her from the airport. But it's like, I feel like that would be a moment to have the sneeze happen, where, like, he gets an opportunity to sort of... Totally. Put the piece together, like, that sneeze. Or, like, something. But, yeah, it goes away. And also, like, Nina ends up being arrested towards the end of the movie very unceremoniously. Yeah, And then she's just gone. 
She's totally gone. We never see her again. And it's so weird that they, like, try to establish that this sneezing thing is an identifying feature for Nina when she's literally played by Iman, the most gorgeous, tall supermodel in the world. Like, and they have a picture of her, and it's like, the cops have a picture of her, and it's like, they know, like, she is... A literal, I mean, anybody, if you guys don't know who Iman is, like, what's wrong with you, but also Google her. She's literally an incredibly striking person. Like, she's not someone you look at and think and forget about seeing, which is, again, why she is a supermodel. So it's like, the sneeze thing is so unhinged. Like, it just makes zero fucking sense. Yeah, like, you could just be like, there was a really drop-dead gorgeous, like, beautiful woman who was just in here with a gun she's six foot tall yeah and like absolutely stunning and it's like you can track her down pretty easily and they get to the resort and they're like we can't find her and she's like sauntering around like being like fed grapes while wearing like a gorgeous like bustier and it's like it's her she literally, right there like she literally looks um like she is the most striking person on that island, even though it's like full of very beautiful people. But like, she's she's a can't miss. You know well, what she's I mean? like seven feet tall. Yes. And she has this like French accent and like <laughs> is very loud and does not blend into the crowd. So it's not like, conspicuous. Though. And it's like, you two are supposed to be detectives. And like, the two of them are like <laughs> on the island, like looking around for her. And she's literally like stepping over, like walking over their bodies. I mean, honestly, Rosie and fucking Dan Aykroyd are just faffing around this island doing a horrible job. No, they're legit just, like, (laughs) bopping around. Nobody's doing work. Like, Rosie's buying, like, new outfits. (laughs) Putting on her dominatrix outfit, which is like, okay, girl, you did it. Like, now let's get some detective work done. (laughs) That's the shot. That's the single shot that I remember from this movie is Rosie O'Donnell in the black studded like dominatrix outfit and i remember as a kid thinking like oh she looks so pretty like i remember like watching this movie and just being like oh wow and like yeah it's just so funny to see it's also funny knowing who rosie o'donnell is now 100 and like i i love movies from like the 80s and 90s that feature people that we now know are like lesbians or like gay and like them like rebuffing the attempts of like a person of the opposite sex it's just like it it's (laughs) there's a different layer of humor to it it it's totally like, is. Like her sex slave, she ends up falling for the end of the movie. But like her sex slave in the movie who keeps trying to make it happen with her, and she's just like, it's like so hungry for her, and she's like, eh, I'm gonna read a book and turn in early. It's like, but it's also like if at by at the end of the movie when she's like into it, it's like, what I don't know. I guess I just kept thinking like, just fuck the guy. Like like what do you have to lose? He's like here. Exactly. He wants to like go down on you for a couple hours. Like she also has a scene where she's like there. Are, uh, um, at this sports day event and she's like telling Dan Aykroyd how horny she is which is like a really fucking weird thing to talk about with your coworker. <laughs> like I understand that you're like on a sex island but she's like I'll tell you Fred I am so horny I'm just I'm so horny I'm so aroused and I'm like ew <laughs> like don't have this conversation with your coworker. Like, I know things are weird, but like, there's gotta be some sort of line. Also, talk about the case. <laughs> talk. I'm begging you to talk about the case. Do the job that the taxpayers are paying you to do. Like, Rosie's bought like three new outfits. She's gotten her hair blown out. Like, it looks like there was a oh mani pedi, ma'am. 
On whose dime? I think we know the answer. <laughs> on whose dime? The taxpayer's dime. Also, I get annoyed too because she always makes reference to her hair looking stringy. And when I tell you that Rosie's hair has never looked better than in this movie, I fucking mean it. And we've all been through... You know, the trenches with Rosie's hair. She's as soon as she came out, she got maybe. Oh god, remember that? That boy George. What was it? It was it was she something with Boy George, right? Was she doing a musical with No Boy George having some I'm a lesbian. I don't think boy I don't remember Boy George having anything to do with it. It was like, I'm a lesbian, here is the worst haircut I can think of. (laughs) It was like I understand I've had bad haircuts. I also think it's a rite of passage when you come out as a queer woman to get uh, get the haircut, as they always talk about. And it's like when you do something that is, <clears throat> quote unquote, a little less than like classically feminine and like what I would describe as a, as, as a lesbian haircut or a dyke haircut, which I've definitely had and like... You know, I I don't want to take that away from Rosie. I wanted her to have it, but, like, my God, it was so bad. It was, like, one of the worst ones. Okay. Yeah, it was, like, Rosie O'Donnell. I think around the same time that Rosie O'Donnell came out, there was, like, this Broadway musical that she'd seen, like, this off-Broadway musical or like it was like it was like off the west end it was this musical called taboo that boy george had done or wrote or something and then rosie o'donnell like invested like 10 million dollars in the musical to get it on broadway it was like and i think this was around the same time that like rosie o'donnell i feel like it's around the same time she came out but i don't know anyway i tied it in with that haircut because i very specifically remember that like cut where she like shaved off half of her half of her hair it her hair looks great now by the way if anybody's wondering oh yeah for sure. she's gone like salt and pepper she's does like a short like really cute haircut although yeah. sometimes it's long but she oh man it was like short and spiky on the side it was not good it was not good um but she's found her vibe and we love it we're living for it um, but yeah, it was, she kept talking about how stringy her hair was, which just wasn't the Yeah, case. And, and then it's like a thick head of hair. Um, yeah. also the scene, okay, the scene was really hot when like, so Mistress Lisa decides like, she's going to make Elliot be like her, like her personal slave because she's secretly into him, but she's like, he doesn't want to play by the rules. Like mm-hmm. bring him to my room, which is like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, yeah, when you're in a position like of power. by the rules. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, mm, something about that person. He seems like quite the maverick. I, I don't want to fuck him, but, but get him in my room, butt naked and make sure he's hard. Um, but like, so like, she's like, got him like chained by the pool as she's like getting out of the pool. That scene where she makes him, she makes him like get on all fours. And then she's like, cause he's like staring oh, at her in the pool. First of all, she went full frontal. I was like, oh, oh Delaney's wow. like has several like full frontal like scenes in this movie where you're like, yeah, oh, okay. Somebody was looking for that for star it. turn. <laughs> it works out sometimes. Honestly, Danny Dana Delaney is very hot. Like I oh yeah, she's I beautiful. Like that, I would do a lot of full frontal scenes too. You do full frontal sure. now too, don't you? <laughs> For anybody who's paying, <laughs> find right. me on OnlyFans. I thought it was not just fans now that you're on. <clears throat> I'm on them all. I'm on them all. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she like he he's like watching her in the pool and then she gets out of the pool she's like look away and she makes him get on all fours and then she goes and she lifts up her like little wrap that she's wearing so that she puts her like bare ass on his back 
Yeah. And I was like, I remember this scene. I remember this scene when I was a kid. Oh, yes, I do. I mean, I am not going to say that that scene wasn't, like, kind of, a, like, a moment for me. I was like, oh, that's a little hot. And then they have their moment. Was that too much for you? No, not at all. Oh, I thought you made a face. And then I was like, well, they're clearly about to be something. Like, and I think they, they, they do a good job building that, of course, because Gary Marshall's great at doing a rom-com. Um, but it's also, didn't you, I had a moment while I was watching this movie through, like, the eyes of, like, a 30-something where I was like, yeah, like, did they, like, this is such an interesting film. Okay, so this movie mm-hmm. came out just, you know, so we, it came out October 14th, 1994. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was made for $30 million, and it made $6.8 million at the box office. Oh, It was no. panned by critics. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, I get it. <laughs> but also, like, thinking about, like, you know, our movie-going audience in, like, you know, that, you know, Puritan, you know, bullshit of, like, totally. the U.S., like, movie-going audiences, like, all the people that are like, no, like, my son can watch Rambo, but, like... He doesn't need to see a woman's bare breasts. It's like, so like gratuitous violence is absolutely fine in most like households in America. Mm -hmm. But like, no, he can't know that like, that's what a bare ass looks like. Um, Well, yeah. I mean, I was shocked at how like graphically sexual this movie was. And I mean, you don't even really like, yeah, you get a full frontal lady, which I don't think is anything new, but I think it was more like the acts and then also the fact that like a lot of the time like the women were in control and then there's also which like i don't think i would have ever seen anywhere else in 1994 and then there was also like that scene where uh, and i've read this before like it's some stat i don't know where i read it or what it is but like it's so rare particularly in the 90s like early 2000s where, like, things were becoming more graphic sexually on film, but it was really rare to show a man going down on a woman. Like, there would be the suggestion of a blowjob or the suggestion of, like, you know... Um, or they You see, like, the shot of the head, like, slowly going down, and then you just get the, like, the googly eyes on the person receiving pleasure. But, like... Right, yeah. but it was never a woman. Yes. And it was never... Um, you know and you never get to see like the actual act of it and in Mm -hmm. this you kind of do i mean granted it's very quick and like i no, it actually isn't that quick that scene it's when like the like the uh, because the second time i watched it i was like oh okay they're really they're really getting this in i also didn't fully understand these people were were they like like the citizens it seemed like for some of these people it seemed like they had people that were assigned to them and with them for the duration of their visit yeah like yeah that was what i understood yeah and then some of the people it was like they sort of moved around a little bit more and they weren't assigned specifically to people it probably speaks to like how much money these people paid as well like if you have like true. a person on call for you like omar had the girl who like followed him around and was like it's like on like a leash at one point yeah. Like... Did you also notice that when Omar arrived, he like had this like citizen who was like carrying his bags and she like dropped his bags and he was like, "Oh, can I get this is like unacceptable. Can I get someone else?" And the the person's response was, "She's one of our best. She graduated training early." <laughs> it's like, "Okay." 
It's like, yeah, but that didn't, what's like, that to me? What's that to me? That didn't solve my problem here. I need yeah. a new citizen who's not, you know, sloppy as hell with my luggage. Well, it just speaks to, like, a lax training procedure is what it tells me. <laughs> I know. It's like she... Well, I mean, look, everyone's fallible. But, like, clearly you're, like, trying to, like, be like, what? She didn't even finish the training. We we ran her through early. And it's like, maybe she needs to go back. Yeah, maybe you should have finished it. Maybe that last week would have been pertinent to her, like, being good at her job. Also, anytime anybody tells you that somebody did their job ineffectively at, like, a company and you're like, that's our best employee. It's like, that doesn't bode well for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like... That Tom's our best mechanic. Yeah, well, my transmission's still broken. So <laughs> here we are. Through your, my car. <laughs> your best mechanic sucks. So it's either you're not selling the shop to me right now. Yeah, exactly. Everyone else is worse than him. <laughs> okay, then let's just shake hands and you know call it a relationship that didn't quite work out. Um, I'm going over to Jiffy Loop, but yeah. So so that was definitely like. A part of it that was really like, I mean, that this was a scene that was really booty centric. So we got a lot of like oh my God, Elliot so Donk in the scene, and they made sure to earlier in the movie, I was like, he had a really good butt, and then it was like, oh, and they made sure to showcase it too. And then wait, you, you know what we didn't talk about though, which we should have the like when when the citizens first arrive on the island and they have to do that like yeah a parade it's like a it's like a parade. <laughs> this is like the first time that Mistress Lisa sees Elliot and she decides like. He's a live, he's a live cannon. Like, I, I don't know if he, he needs to be like, he needs to be taught a lesson. That's like. Well, it's like he gets there and they're lining up and he sees what's happening. First of all, nobody's briefed anybody that like, oh, by the way, when you get to the island, like we have to walk around like fucking like, you know, pageant girls and rock, walk the runway and take off our robes and like show our naked bodies and then like go kiss um, Mistress Lisa on the knee and he's in line and he like real is realizing what happened he's like oh like I don't think I can do this I don't want to do this or whatever and then he gets up on stage and is up there for longer than anybody else he absolutely takes off all his clothes he stands he turns around in front of the audience which is like a bunch of people like sitting at tables like guests on the island like yeah yeah, guests on the island and then proceeds to shake his ass for a very long time and it's like all right well i guess that trepidation lasted only two seconds yeah you dealt with those nerves (laughs) real quick um Also, just in t- since we're speaking about contradictions, there's a scene towards the beginning of the movie where, like, Iman, posing as a flight attendant, gets her photo taken by Elliot. He's at baggage claim with her. He snaps a quick picture of her. Then she sort of looks startled, and then he's like, oh, I'm a photographer. I take pictures. If you ever want to do, like, a sit-down sesh with me, he hands her his business card. This is how Nina now has his business card, and then later on, she, she tells Omar, a gentleman at the airport, you know, may have gotten your picture. Um, but I have his business card and this is how they figure out who he is and where he lives and his, and his comings and goings and the fact that he's headed to the island and decide to follow him. But when Nina first, when this interaction first happens, he gets snaps a photo of Omar, um, by sort of going like by peeking, like behind the belt, the the conveyor belt, he snaps this photo of like Omar and then Nina gets in the car with Omar to exit 
in her like flight attendant disguise and Omar says to her, was there any trouble at the airport? And she says, none whatsoever. And then like <laughs> 10 oh minutes God, later, I... there's the shootout at the strip club. She gets in the car with Omar after they've evaded police. And then she goes, yeah, there was a little bit of trouble at the airport. <laughs> a guy snapped a photo of you. And it's like, why do you tell him that we all were at the airport earlier? Why'd you lie and say that there was no trouble? Only she to also get in the goes... Car- she also, in the car earlier when she's like, there's no trouble, she's like, I'm a professional. <laughs> it's like, girl, you were spotted. Like, and, you were caught red-handed. And you've been photographed. <laughs> yeah, I'm a professional. And then later on, she's like, yeah, but what had happened was. And it's like, so everything you said earlier wasn't true then. I'm just trying to make sure, because you have the energy of a person who did their job properly. But the fact you're telling me lead me to believe that maybe you need a little bit more training like old girl over at Eden. <laughs> like, it truly all went tits up because you didn't do your job. Also, <laughs> don't pick a seven foot tall, like, Amazonian beautiful model to be your, like, incognito, like, <laughs> exactly. jewelry mule because she's always going to stand out and people are always going to take photos of her. Right, because exactly. I would pull out my phone and take photos. If Iman was next to me at, like, Red Lobster, you better believe I'm going to remember <laughs> one of the most gorgeous faces that, you know, God ever, ever made. existed, so. yeah. It's like, what you want is, like, a dumpy, unassuming white guy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> the, yeah. the world is full of those. Like, let's get one of those guys to start yeah. smuggling your diamonds. Yeah, Naomi Campbell inter- isn't, like, blending into crowds, okay? No! <laughs> like, throw, like, you throw, like, uh, like, a Karen wig on her, and you think that, like, that's gonna, like, simplify things. <laughs> Put her in a also, pantsuit from Talbot's. That'll take care of it. <laughs> oh my god. Also, we need to... i just like to mention... Okay, so all of the outfits that, like, um, they wear on Eden, first of all, like, are amazing. Yeah. The first, the first thing is <clears throat> when Iman arrives at the island and she is wearing the most amazing, like... It's like, I guess it's like, it's it looks like Versace. It looks like Versace. It looks like Versace. I don't know if it is, but it's got like, I, I feel like, like it was. Gold. I, there's also like, there's gold. There's like cheetah print. There's like, it's just like perfect 90s. Like what you would think of as Versace, I'm sure it is. And she looks like, I mean, uh, she looks insanely gorgeous. And all the citizens and stuff and like you know mistress lisa are all wearing these incredible like gold sort of like they all sort of look like they're like ancient roman or like grecian like sex slaves i think that's like the vibe but also things that never that like they mentioned that also never like end up getting mentioned again is that like mistress lisa's like designs all the like outfits that everybody wears and it's like they like make a point to like show her like sketching (laughs) in a sketchbook and i was like oh maybe they're setting up so setting this up so that like if and when she decides to like leave this profession maybe she becomes like a designer or whatever and it's like nope just a detail that is totally throwaway. it's also like at the end of the movie when like elliot and like mistress lisa decide that like they're gonna be together and they talk mm-hmm. about they briefly mentioned kids at mm-hmm. one point and it's like yeah like how do you raise children in an environment like this because a part of me thinks like this is like when i first think about elliot and like Mistress Lisa in this relationship, I think, like, 
I could totally see like them getting married and like making that work on this island. Like that seems like a really like that would be really dope actually. But like then I thought like mm-hmm. it's like yeah, this is probably like a really difficult thing to sort of like negotiate. Although what it probably means is just sort of like the parameter that you set for your kid in terms of like where they can go and like where your home is, you probably have like yeah, like I would imagine you would like buy a property off of the resort and, and like, have like nannies and is. stuff. Like yeah. your kid's not going to be running around like on the beach while everybody's like butt naked <laughs> and fucking by the pool. Like With, like a cat of nine tails. Like. Exactly. Like right. <laughs> but um but yeah, and then they're also they Also do... he perp. Sorry. No, no, go for it. I was just going to say also in that scene where he like they end up getting together, he proposes to her and I'm like Yo, it's been like a few weeks. This feels quick, right? Yeah, it's easy, does it? Like, she's still working through a lot. <laughs> There's a couple of moments in the movie that I felt like op- would have potentially opened the door to more, like, um, pondering or, like, mm. investigation into things. And, like, we don't really touch on them. Like, there's this no. moment where, like, first of all, Mistress Lisa, who's actually trying to, like, have a serious conversation with, like, Rosie O'Donnell's, like, character of, like, undercover guest. She's doing, like, this sort of luncheon with, like, some of the new arrivees on the island. And Rosie is among them. And, like, Rosie's, like, doing, like, this comedy routine as, like, Mistress Lisa's, like... I wrote, I was like, is this, like, an audition for her, like, 30-minute stand-up on Comedy Central? Right? Like, it was just, like, Mistress Lisa's trying to answer a question. And she's like, so, how'd you become a, how'd you become a dominatrix? Did you just wake up one day and decide to start being bossy? And it's like, (laughs) oh, like... No, it's she's like, way like, to belittle my life's work. <laughs> I know. She's like, oh, and then I, you know, I went to college, and Rosie's like, oh, and you took spanking 101? It's like, shut up, Rosie. Let her tell her fucking story. Let her fucking tell her story. <laughs> like, these jig- And also, Rosie's like, yeah, Rosie's like, how'd you, you know, how'd you become a dominatrix? Did you just one day wake up and decide to stop being bossy? And then she kind of looks at Rosie quizzically, and then Rosie's like, I mean, you know, it's none of my business. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. And it's like, then, like, you asked, like, all of a sudden we have decorum. <laughs> Um, but like, <laughs> but then she's like, she also tells this story, like, she's like, well, when I was in high school, like, I was a very, like, meek girl or whatever, and she's like, they wanted to, like, surprise, like, the captain of the football team with, like, a, a girl or, like, something, and she's like, and I volunteered to be the present, and after that, no one yeah. ever talked to me again, and it's like, ooh, like, that's, like, that's a lot, like, that's a lot That's a for this heavy like conversation. Yeah, and I don't know what she's saying exactly, and I think it's like a little open ended about like, you know, she volunteered or was she talked into it? You know, whatever. Oh, she, it sounds she says, like, like she was like probably like a cute meek girl, and like there were whispers probably among some of her friends who were more popular than her, and she was like, "I'll do it," and everybody was like, "Cool," and it was one of those weird things in high school where it's like is the person actually going to do it or not? And she, like, did it. And then it's like, you're instantly so become a social pariah. Let, like, <laughs> the football team run a train on her? Is that I don't think saying? that's what she's saying, no. Okay. I think she's saying that she volunteered to be the present for one of the members of the football team, the captain of the football team. So his boys okay. probably took her to, like, a hotel room or somebody's parents' house, and then, like, she was in a bedroom, and he, like, so had sex funny. with her, and then, like... They never talk to her again, you know, like right. It's, it's just like it's just like trauma. I mean, is yeah, what it is. Exactly. It's like it's a and heavy like, conversation. Oh, it's a heavy conversation, and it's like, but it's also like a real answer to a question in front of like a group mm-hmm. of people, and like Rosie's doing like a bit. 
Yeah, and it's she's like, doing like a type he, five. It's, it's like, also like, you, you don't, don't want answers. You didn't really want to know because she's you actually just like sharing hear the sound of your own punchlines, like <laughs> which is pretty, which is pretty par for the course, I think, for this movie for Old Rose. But um, yeah, and every time she gets caught, like because as Jane mentioned earlier, her and Dan Aykroyd are not in any way like doing a good job of hiding the fact that they know each other. Like, yeah, and he's like constantly being. Yeah, and he's constantly being chastised by members of the staff because every time they see them together, they're like, whoa, this is a guest who's paying a lot of money to be here. You're a new custodial worker. It looks like you're bothering one of our guests from their vantage point. <laughs> and Rosie keeps being like, oh, no, it's just, you know, it's me. I was looking for, you know, tampons, and I just asked him the way to the gift shop. And they're like, <laughs> okay, we can help you with that. And then she's like, oh, she's like, oh, he was just flirting with me. And it's like, just stop, both of you. Do better. Do these meetings right. at night. They, exactly. They, 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 they Keep meeting at like two p.m. in like broad daylight in the front of like, like hordes in the most of crowded guests. space, like in crowds of people. Like they keep they'll just he's wearing his like orange work coveralls and Rosie's in like a bustier and like leather panties and like they like just bump into each other in like the middle of like a sunny afternoon as like hundreds of people are moving around them and then they like look around and they're shocked when somebody like makes them and it's like <laughs> do better you're detectives like right. you need to come up with a system that you should have come up with before you even got here uh, exactly 100 percent. say like, you need this... maintenance work in your room or something get him exactly like, anything that would make more sense than like it's like it's almost like people don't think you're detectives probably because they're like they'd have to be horrible detectives to be like yeah. meeting this way <laughs> this can't be what i think it is because it's way too fucking obvious <laughs> and also like so mistress lisa decides like you know that he that Elliot being here is too much of a liability. So she gives him back his money and she's like, You need to leave. Like you can't be on the you can't be on the island anymore. You're a distraction. And he's like, No, like I think we could really be something. I think we could go away together. Like, come with me to New Orleans, which is like he just pulls out of his ass. Like, let's go to well, New Orleans, which is so it's specific. So, it's so specific and it's he's like, I hear you like the South, let's go to New Orleans, which is like Anne Rice, I think, almost always like yeah, absolutely has that's what it in is. New Orleans, but yeah. Which but it just in within this context, like if you don't know that, if you don't know that it's just so such a weird random choice. Like But okay. once again, the the night that they had, like they had this night of intimacy where we, you know, did that lovely reenactment of the spank scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also then- after after that, like there's the whole moment, the change in their relationship. I mean, that's not something unusual for Mistress Lisa to be in that position of like the dom the dominant p- party where she sort of like takes the reins. But then after that, later that night, Elliot asks to sleep in her room, and she says yes, but on the floor to sort of keep the boundaries going. And then in the middle of the night, he slips up on the bed, she wakes up, and then he's like, I'm coming after that box, fam. <laughs> and, like, he gives her, like, what appears to be this incredible orgasm. And there's a moment, you were talking about going down on her, where Mistress Lisa grabs his head, and she's like, put, she's like, if you want to work, you're going to work. But um, <laughs> She guides him, well, good for her, if you're not going to yeah. get yours, hey. you know what I mean? You gotta well, do you what should you make do. sure you gotta get yours. Also, and if you're gonna thing- try and go down on a dominatrix, strap on your seatbelt. Get ready to right, work. Right, exactly. It's not gonna be um, dealer's choice. <laughs> this ain't a cakewalk. I mean, I guess it kind of is a cakewalk. Anyway, yeah, I guess it's um, 
but like but I do, I do, I did know that like maybe the scene itself wasn't necessarily quick, but like she started coming like instantly, instantly. <laughs> I was like, okay, they you love, can't be that they good. love making women have <laughs> orgasms within ten seconds. With like a, you get, love like that. A, a strong breeze like flows against your nether a gust regions, of, and a, you're a like, hearty gust of wind. Oh god! <laughs> and it's like, and it's also like that's why so many men are out here like not bringing it. Oh my god, exactly. It's like, we need to be like, we, that scene should actually be like 15, 20 minutes. Full, yeah, time, time elapsed just appears yeah, on the screen. exactly. 30 minutes just later. Just so that we realize that like, dudes need to put in the work. But like 30 minutes later, she's like, it's not gonna happen. It's just not. It doesn't matter yeah, what you do. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Let's just go to sleep. Tonight. I'm tired. I'm fucking tired. Let's go to fucking bed. Um, but yeah, like that seems like that intimate moment between them would have been a great time for her to be like... I've always wanted to go to New Orleans. Like, I love... Like, <laughs> I know. like, something to tie in. So later on, when he says, let's go to New Orleans, it's not just being pulled out of thin air. Um, but yeah, they go to New well, Orleans. Because she says that Diana... He's like... He says that Diana told him that she likes the South. Which I'm like, when have I ever seen you talk to Diana? Which When has like, any relationship been established between you two? Yeah, Diana is Mistress Lisa's, like right hand girl I guess and they're always together and you've never seen Elliot have a conversation with her so like again it makes no sense also there's something so weird about like liking the south like what part of it like that's such a weird blanket <laughs> it's thing it's just like it's a weird it's 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 just a region of the country like is there a, may, what what if what if Diana said oh she loves New Orleans <laughs> how about Diana that Diana told me your favorite city was New Orleans let's go <laughs> no, I heard you like the East. L- let's go. Let's go to Kennebunkport, Maine. What? That's real specific, baby. That's. Um, I mean, lovely, but I like, sure. I like parts of the East Coast, but right. But what I meant was like New York City. You know. Yeah, I big mean, swing and Kennebunkport, Maine. Why do I keep? This is the second time that I've referred to Maine as Spain. I think because you're trying to prove something. <laughs> I I have I have noticed that that wheezy cough has been coming out of me a lot lately, and I really hate it. So I apologize to our listeners because I have heard it. It's all no. They're probably charmed by it. <laughs> Let's fucking hope so. <laughs> it's like a, it's like what like a spirited chimney sweep in your home, maybe like <laughs> giggling as like the or like a person who like has you know just like smoked a bunch of cigarettes and then decided to record for it. sure like it has it does have that hint of like smokers co- like i'm sure lucille ball used to laugh like that probably i'm sure which like i would be honored but i do want to talk to you specifically about the sports day um oh, event yeah. <laughs> which was like we've mentioned it a couple times but like it's basically like field day for perverts you know what i mean like if you ever had like (laughs) that's a a judgmental word no i love pervert pervert's a good word i'm taking the word pervert back um (laughs) and i support perverts uh oh god please don't isolate that audio i know tara's gonna isolate that no you said what you said you said by it per usual right But it's like, you know, when you're in field day in high school or sorry, in elementary school. Well, yeah, elementary school. Let's calm down. <laughs> elementary school, high not school. high school. <laughs> I 
can you like do all these activities through sports or whatever? This is the same thing, except it's for people who are naked and want to fuck each other. And um, I, I, <laughs> there were so many good games. Um, naked tennis, which sounded so dangerous to me. I was like, I just imagine for... that being a lot for like a woman of a certain blessing. <laughs> Oh, just like flappy tits, you mean? Just like big breasts. Like, yeah, trying to like. I was thinking about men's ball. testicles. Like, you get That's the hard too. serve to the balls, you are fucking out. Or if you, you know? fall and your penis just scrapes against like the like <gasps> hot like asphalt or something. Oh, yeah, like depending yeah. on what the tennis court is made out of. Because tennis courts can be, they can be grass, they can be clay, they can be a lot of different things. So it's like, if you scrape any of your naked body on those things, I mean, particularly, you know, your genitals, you would be in so much pain. And then there was the bent over person with the, they were, there was two women bent over with like Velcro <laughs> on their asses and they were throwing balls at like their butts. What do you think would be a safe event on sports day to, on sports day to play in the nude? Uh, Twister. Oh, <laughs> sign me up. But I, I think... haven't played Twister in so long. But I feel like it. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Twister among adults is just sexual. I yeah, Twister. It's uh, I'm a sweet I'm playing... way to play Twister with a bunch of like grown ass people. I feel <laughs> like, like I don't just... want like I don't want to play Twister with friends. I would want to play Twister with someone I was trying to have sex with. But I think like um, Twister is good, but it's like two people at most particularly adults you know what i mean oh yeah two big ass adults trying no you can't play twister with like four unless it's like a massive size twister like one of those mega specialty oh, order twister boards that. but no you're right no that would be a lot i haven't played twister in so long i feel like i would like torque my back or something i the thing is is that like your girl is not like flexible enough to play that anymore it'd be I, a lot and i feel like it's really a hard to... fall and depending on where you are <laughs> you end up like you could fall on like three people if you're like yeah. the one who's over every no <laughs> No, no, we're no, not doing this there. Okay, well, maybe, like, I feel like something in the water is safe. Like, water volleyball, oh, for sure. maybe, you know? Wait, water what? Like, volleyball in the water would be Water okay. volleyball? That sounds so hard. And why does it sound hard? What do you mean? Like, how are you going to be, like, diving for a ball in the water? That just feels, that's like a workout is what that sounds like. Well, I mean, any sport is really kind of a workout. I don't think it's, like, that much harder in water than it would be, like... You know, it's like you have your place in, 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 uh, whatever. I mean, I kind know. of, but when you think about a two-person volleyball, one person's in the front, one person's in the back, essentially. If somebody mm -hmm. hits the ball, like, mm -hmm. you're on the right side and somebody hits the ball to the left, how are you going to get over there in time to get it? Well, you, you understand that there's like, there's like... I understand everything, smartass. <laughs> There's anything. people to cover all positions. Oh, also, like, God. why are we talking about sports? But I do. So what? So what's your suggestion then? Besides Twister, I thought. Well, Twister was one. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Water polo could be fun. I guess. I don't even know how to play water polo. But I think anything in the water naked. I'm is so good. sorry. I did not mean water polo. I meant Marco Polo. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Marco Polo. This is not like a sport. <laughs> Marco Polo. No. Is it like, not? But, I do understand that it could be, like, kind Ugh. of fun to, like, try to find the naked person. I think I'm trying to stay away from anything where you're naked and you could fall and, like, injure any part of your body. So I guess in my mind, that's why I was thinking, like, badminton could be fun, but you could always take mm -hmm. a tumble and then your balls and or your breasts are 
You know, you destroy your areolas in the process, maybe. You're not careful. <laughs> you destroy your areolas. Why you just go to the like doctor and they're like, your areolas are kaput. We're going <laughs> like, to do the best we can. What are you can, falling on that you but destroy it's clear, your It's clear that you were playing <laughs> naked badman. I can see from your fucking injuries. You're the third person to come in here. You're all dancing with the devil. I told Mistress Lisa to stop that shit. Well, I would say it's less dangerous than what they actually do, which is a rollerblading tournament. In oh yeah, that's wild. And like all that kind of stuff. And um, spoiler alert: Elliot wins the uh, rollerblading competition. The prize <laughs> is one on one time with Mistress Lisa, BT Dubs. Yeah, and he wins. And the thing is too about this, like, <laughs> it's like the most fucking '90s event I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, Tara. Tara could not have been more giddy and excited about this like naked rollerblading moment. She was like, "Oh, I love a rollerblading competition." <laughs> it's it's like, so '90s. Why are yeah. you so jazzed about this? And she was like, "You know, it's just really '90s. <laughs> like, she loves anything that's like really quintessential '90s." But also, so, so earlier we touched on it, but like they go to New Orleans. They get there. Mer- Elliot and Mistress Lisa. Omar mm-hmm. follows them from the island. At this point, N- Nina has been arrested at this point. So it's just Omar on his own now. He then takes on this persona of like an old-timey southern purveyor. And like he shows up. <laughs> Mistress Elliot and Lisa decide to go visit like an old, like an old-timey antebellum style like plantation. Yeah, and white matter. people love plantations. <laughs> and they sneak away because they're told that the upstairs is under construction they sneak away to a bedroom upstairs where they decide to have full-on sexual intercourse um in 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 like a house for the public like and and people are downstairs doing the tour and then also the woman who's like taking the tickets at the front Mm -hmm. counter is just like she sees them go upstairs and she sort of nods to herself like those crazy kids and it's like, do your job, ma'am. I know she like gives them like an eyebrow raise and like a a a, a knowing head shake and just like lets them go. And I'm like, okay, girl. In I her defense, you're... she probably thought, oh, they'll like maybe they'll like share like a kiss, you know, in one of the drawing rooms and whatever. And I like, would no, be like, are they like are they stealing something? That would be my yeah. Concern. Well, anytime you're going to an area you're not supposed to be in at like a museum, it's yeah. like. Don't be there. Like, hi, I just want to check in with you. We said it was off limits and the Mona Lisa's up there. So <laughs> no alone time. Come on back down and fall in line with the group. But yeah, she lets them have sex. Omar shows up at like, he figures out that they're at this particular like outing. And he shows up in the room right after they've had sex. And then Rosie, of course, ends up saving the day. She shows up. She, you know, takes him on. Her and Ackroyd shoot him. And Omar goes into custody where he receives three life sentences, which felt like a little bit much, but like also... It felt like a little bit much too. <laughs> not like, I'm not an Omar stan, but I'm just saying. It was like, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't kill anybody, did he? He was... Well, no. I thought he was killed. Well, we, That's the thing. Well, we don't he know his backstory. We also, fair, to be fair, we don't know his backstory. That's true. He was shot twice and flipped over off the balcony onto the ground. So I assumed he was dead, but I guess that's not. I'm sure they were like, this is a rom-com. You know, he can't die. He can't die. Um, But I do, but (laughs) I do want to just take a moment to talk about this scene while they're in the, in their hotel room in New Orleans. And, um, what Elliot does, (laughs) he pops out to get a little brekkie. For um, his girl, Mr. Little Brecky Meyer, Brecken Meyer, <laughs> and he brings her back a croissant or a croissant, croissant, yeah. croissant. 
Um, first of all, he pulls it out of the bag, and it is the like shittiest looking. Yeah, it's a it's a tiny ass croissant from like Publix. And and it didn't look flaky at all. I was like, one thing about me is if you're gonna bring me a, a croissant that is not flaky, I'm gonna ask you to return it. And I'm gonna no, you're not. You you're gonna eat it, and I am <laughs> you're right. too. You're right. I'm gonna eat the shit out of it. Stop. We're both gonna eat it. I'll probably be complain. I may complain about it to myself. Right. But I will be like, this is the least flakiest. I have known you for had. 15 years, girl, <laughs> and I know that both of us are gonna eat whatever croissant we get. As Dave and Tara both know, <laughs> neither of us in our entire lives have ever returned a pastry to anyone. <laughs> wow, I did not <laughs> expect to get so perfectly clocked in this moment, but you have you have absolutely served me and I cannot say anything because it's just so fucking true. Let me tell you words that have never been uttered by me or Jane. <laughs> this donut is too stale for me to eat. <laughs> oh, this cannoli's at least a day old. Take it away. Nope. Absolutely we may both be thinking, never. we'll both be thinking, oh, this should be better than it is. But we're still going to eat the whole thing. <laughs> this pastry is too sugary. I don't think I'm going to eat it. <laughs> like, no. I'm like, this is made poorly while finishing the crumbs. Absolutely. The this wasn't the best one I've ever had as I eat the last bite. <laughs> but I'm going to try them all. <laughs> this isn't my favorite cinnamon roll I've ever had. But it's gone. And don't you dare try and take it out of my hands because I'll bite your fingers off. <laughs> Okay, so this isn't even the point of the scene, but that made me just laugh so hard. Okay, so the we are who we are. (laughs) We are who we are, and it's not changing. Um, (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) what he does is he Elliot brings back this shitty ass croissant, and Dana's like, (laughs) or Mistress Lisa takes the croissant and he's like wait and he like pulls out a stick of butter a stick of room temperature butter and a thing of cinnamon he's like this is how you eat it in Australia and he then proceeds to stick his finger in the butter and then wipe it on the side of the croissant and (laughs) and then put some cinnamon on the croissant and then he takes the stick of butter and he rubs it on her nipple and then shakes some cinnamon on her nipple and then goes to town on it like a hungry baby. And she gets a phone call while this is happening. So it's like, I just like don't know, like, was this the plan? Was he going to take this further? Or did he just want to like eat this shit off her nipple? But what he does when he comes off of sucking on her nipple... <laughs> His face is like really greasy and covered in cinnamon, like fucking Augustus Gloop after eating a chocolate bar. It is horrifying. I was like, no! <laughs> like screaming as I was watching. It was so upsetting. This is sexy heterosexual behavior, Jane. Okay? This isn't for us to understand. I um, do not get it. I do not get it. It's piping hot. And, um,. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then Rosie ends up falling in love with her sex slave from the <laughs> island. It seems. Well, actually, what she says is, "We going on two dates, and it's going great." So, I mean, put your own pieces together from that. Um, yeah, they end up together, I guess. But I think um, that's the end. Uh, but it was yeah. It, it's it, it it ends. Everyone's in prison. Who needs to be in prison? Everyone falls in love with anybody who. Well, also here's the thing that actually I questioned at the end. So so Dan Aykroyd's ex-wife, I guess, shows up in New Orleans. Yeah, and she's at like the gorgeous. police station. Yeah, she's like really she's like a blonde bombshell and it's like okay in what world but anyways looking at you shannon tweed <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> it does seem like this this part w- would have been offered to shannon tweed first but anyways um he says that like it's his ex-wife and he's like flown her down or whatever um to like reconnect and then there's like a bit with like a hitachi vibrator in his bag and he's like so we get the sense that he's like opening up sexually with her or whatever. Also, when she pulled, when they pulled that Hitachi vibrator out, I said to Dave, "Oh my god, it looks the exact same as they look now." And Dave was like, "When something ain't broke, you don't fix it." <laughs> I was like, "Fair enough." One hundred percent. It has looked the same since it came out. I don't know when it came out, but it's been around forever, and it's been. At doing le- its I job. mean, apparently, at least thirty years. <laughs> it's been doing its job, um, but at the very beginning of the movie. He mentions there are he's like having this conversation with Rosie at the top, like uh, talking about the they're going to the sex island and they're talking about like she's like mentioning that he's like sexually oppressed and he goes, There are plenty of times I let the wife get on top. So either he is referring to his ex wife as his current wife in the beginning or he at some point got a divorce within the movie and we didn't know not necessarily because the sentence there are many times i let the i let the wife get on top may mean like past tense oh like, okay I let okay the wife okay get on top. all right well then we can that's yeah okay i guess i just like misheard him or whatever um, but no, that's fair. I mean, also yeah. we got we Dan got like you know a really great shout out in the script after he has to get a physical when he gets on the island and like the woman gives him the physical and then she's like, that wasn't that hard, was it? You know, you were a good boy. And then she goes, or should I say, big boy? And then it becomes a re- like a recurring thing through the movie that like Dan Aykroyd is a I guess like <laughs> a large member, and it's like all right, whatever. Good for Dan. Tell whatever story you want to tell. <laughs> Well, he has the thing where he gets like a hard on. He's standing in front of the gong, and then the gong like goes off. Yeah, well, I mean, well he off. is a wild and crazy guy. <laughs> he sure is. I love seeing that Dan was an Aykroyd. SNL reference, Jane. I know. I'm fully, fully aware of it. Um, I do love seeing Dan Aykroyd anywhere I can, but he was kind of like not. That well, Dave actually made the comment. Well, this is the perfect amount of Dan Aykroyd in a movie. <laughs> Dave doesn't love him in a lead role when this, you know. But although Dave does love Blues Brothers, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's few and far between. He's given some rough performances. I will say that this year, apparently, Rosie won, actually won the Razzie this year for Worst Supporting Actress for this movie, (laughs) as well as The Flintstones. So get into it. And Dan Aykroyd was nominated for this movie, as well as for the movie North, starring Elijah Wood. Um, He didn't quite snag his, though. 
Uh, so better luck next time. But, um, but the, the nominations happened. The nominations and happened the and thing. they were doled out. But I do think that this movie, and Dave made a comment at the end. He was like, this is actually a pretty good movie. And I was like, for what it was for like a 90s film, it is not by any means a horrible movie. Like there's... No, so here's the thing. It's... it's entertaining from beginning to end. Like, that's the thing. There are so many... You're never bored the entire movie. You're never bored, mostly because you are laughing hysterically, not at the things they want you to, but you're laughing hysterically because it's such a ridiculous story, Mm -hmm. or you are staring at your television very confused about the choices that are being made, which is like... I, I honestly like I enjoyed watching it both times. It, yeah, it was not they bit off more than they could movie. chew. But I remembered why I yes. loved this movie yeah. after having not seen it for over twenty years. While I was watching, it was like <laughs> this is fun hijinks. What I will ask you, Jane, of course, the question we ask <laughs> every episode, <laughs> Jane, would you watch this movie again? Um, I I would watch this movie again. I don't know, like it. I I would want someone. I would want to like show someone this movie. For you sure. know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't put it on again just by myself to watch it, but I would want to be like, you know, if I was with a friend who enjoys <laughs> comedy. BDSM romantic comedy action B- BDSM romantic com- comedy crime stories, then I'd be like, <laughs> I've got a fucking movie for Have you. Have I got a flick for you. <laughs> so yeah, um, I would totally watch it again. All right. And then yeah. uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. Um, I'm curious um, about if there's a movie that you, for whatever reason, would want to share with me. There is. This is a movie that I actually haven't seen in a long time, but I really loved when it came out. I thought it was like... I thought it was like very interesting filmmaking. So I'm wondering like if we'll think that again um, on the second time around. But it's a movie that I know you haven't seen called Go. Oh, I haven't seen Go with it's got Angelina Jolie and Nicolas Cage. Nope, nope. <laughs> You're thinking of God in sixty seconds. <laughs> That's even better. You have no idea what this is. But I there's a that. movie called Go, and it's got an exclamation point after it. Hold on, let me. It's from like the late '90s, early 2000s, and it's like Go. Yeah, that's this movie. And it's just okay, not I've never seen it before, it. but I just know, I know, like, the cover, though. I know, it's like, Go is written in red, and, like, it's behind a yellow background. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's I can see movie. the I can see the cover in my head. I've never seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about, though. There are a Okay, lot fun. People, I'm excited to watch are, it. I'm excited. There's a lot of pe- people in this movie, and, um, yeah, I don't Google it. Don't do anything. I won't. No, I won't. I won't look it I, up. I can't wait for you to see it. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Well, it was fun getting together with you and talking to you. And um, As always. Every you're a person that I it. know. And um, <laughs> all of our lovely listeners out there, it was fun sharing this, this experience with you. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. And we hope you enjoyed it. And we hope um, if you continue to enjoy us and love us, you will go ahead and... Um, Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely gets other people to listen. And if you want to follow along with us during the week, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed and on Twitter at MWM Chat. And we will see you next week with Go. Bye. Bye. Bye.
How'd you become a dominatrix? Did you just wake up one day and decide to start being bossy? 